there's no better course. So, and cross country skiing is meant to be hard. Uh, really fun racing. Hi, I'm Rosie Frankowski from APU. See, here we have with the hero Bjorn Daly. That's the great thing about sport. Make it rain. Make, make it rain. You play to win. It is. I mean, that's that's our sport. So, toughen up, train harder, and get in that pack and make it rain. Make it rain. Make it make it rain. First of all, make it rain. Make it rain. You see, the critic of air must use air to make a case against air. The fact that he's able to make an argument at all proves that he's wrong. And uh, and from that, I it's sort of up to me to, to pick the ones that I really like, which is, can't be super hard. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you have experience with testing two very nice pairs of skis. You know that they feel exactly the same. On the back stretch, it is Mellon and Richardson. During the race, she heard me. I'm very flattered about that. <laughs> you are skiing very wise. You know, we're gonna have to work hard. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to train hard. But you know, this, this group has got a has got an already work ethic. You know, so that's not gonna be the problem. All right. I think that was very appropriate, Ajay, to have the Ben Ogden quotes from uh, like a decade ago when he joined the Cedar Skier podcast. Go back and listen to our past episodes with Ben Ogden. They're all great. But Ben had a great day today racing. This is, oh, by the way, you're listening to the Cedar Skier podcast live on Shovel Lake Public Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Cedarquist. We got Ajay in the booth, the assistant interim producer, the German Shepherd Border Collie Mix, the mascot of the CedarSkier.com racing team. And as promised, we are here today, um, you know, ready to give our reflections on stage three of the Tour de Ski. And uh, I have a few notes, you know, we had we had a little bit issue. I'm sure I'm not the only one, actually, who logged into Ski and Snowboard.Live and um, <clears throat> found himself kind of like kicked out for a while. So <laughs> when I woke up this morning, was unable to watch as early as I'd hoped and then um, little Novi, uh, she got up pretty early this morning too, so I had brought her over into the office and had her on my lap. She was kind of watching the ski race, drinking her morning milk as she, you know, took in the the events, and then she was kind of coloring as well. I was trying to do like three different tasks at once, take notes for some tour to ski stuff, uh, jot down my calendar for winter 
prep coverage here in the Vale Valley area. Uh, it was it was just kind of like a lot going on. So, um, but we're here. We're here now. We're live. We're local. We're live and we're local. And uh, that's why you've come here is to see what's going on, what happened today. So let's hop right into it. We had the men and women do an interval start classic ski. Um, some crazy conditions, you know. This uh, Today was one of those great advertisements for, you know, the climate change movement. You know, here the, here we have this just incredibly insane snowmaking uh, uh, drag strip that has been just planted into a grassy knoll uh, in Germany. And yes, you know, it looks as if when you're watching these races, like, we will never have cross-country skiing ever again in five years. Um, meanwhile, in Steamboat Springs, you know, they've got like 9,000 inches of snow. And um, across the country, it's been freezing and cold. So it's just kind of like, you know, take your pick, right? The narrative. And 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 with that conversation, uh, we maybe have lost hundreds of listeners right off the bat because, you know, well, I, I figured yesterday we opened up joking and making fun of Donald Trump. So I had to try and like, I don't know, swing from the other side of the plate now today and, and give a little a jab. But no, it was crazy conditions, some rain. Uh, I, I just find it fascinating that, you know, the wax techs can even pull it together and, and make it so we have skis that stick and glide in conditions like that. It's like falling rain, you know, 45 degrees, just nuts. And, and here, they're, you know, the skiers were still like finding grip on those hills. So I don't know. You know, I just, I marvel at that. Congratulations for all of them. But today, I think the main storyline was crazy day for the Americans, you know, uh, right up, you, Scott Patterson, 29th, uh, Ketterson was 38th. But then in the top 20, we had Gus Schumacher finishing 15th, Hunter Wonders finishing 11th, and then Ben Ogden finishing 6th. So great job by Ben. It's as if he heard our call from the last show yesterday, you know, that, hey, uh, <clears throat> today, or yesterday when we were on the show, we said, hey, he's a sprint guy. He's always relevant, qualified fourth, right? But, you know, don't go into this distance race and be irrelevant. And and he has not done that. You know, he competed very well, I think was 17th, maybe. I, I don't know. I have to go back and listen to the show or look it up. But um, Ogden raced well in the second event, stage two, that was a 10K classic uh, pursuit race. And then today, you know, dialed in again on the 10K distance. And um, so great race for Ben. And we actually have a sound clip from him, so let's hop in and listen to that. This is Ben Ogden after stage three of the Tour de Ski. Ben, you uncorked one out there today. How'd it go? Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was a real treat. What I mean, boy, I just uh, had, like, unlimited energy, especially given it was the third uh, race of the Tour, and uh, it was a ton of fun, and finally got a couple interviews in the mix zone and uh, got to sit in the leader chair, so I can't complain. <laughs> Yeah, a newfound stardom sitting in that leader chair. How'd that feel? Yeah, I, I mean, it felt crazy. I, I didn't, <laughs> didn't feel right, you know, but uh, I wasn't complaining. <laughs> so obviously you had a great day out there. Skis were going well. You're right up there with the top guys. Yeah. You feel like you're, you're making those incremental gains to, to, you know, assert yourself in there? I think so, yeah. I really think so. It feels like, uh, you know, each passing race I, like, learn a little bit more about how to have good skis and ski smart. And today it really came together, so... It's pretty awesome. <laughs> nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Hell of an effort out there. Thanks. Yeah, so 
great to hear from Ben there. Yeah, he got to get in the leader's chair. But I think Paul Goldberg was the one who eventually kicked him out. Let's break down Ben Ogden's race. So 2.1K in, he sets a scintillating mark, 457.9. That would hold up as the second fastest time. So he almost snagged some bonus points. They had the bonus points set up at 2.1K. But Cal Haverson of Sweden comes in 453.5. <clears throat> out of bib 64 so ogden racing early bib 13 maybe that was a in these conditions a factor i'm not really sure the men went first today so women had to race second um and and as far as that time sub five goes you know the leaders of the eventual winners the podiums the clabos the krugers uh clabo five flat kruger 502 schumacher 502 so there's kind of a a look at what sort of the top 10 i guess you know right under 503 so ogden went out pretty hard there uh by 3k his 3k split would end up being um where he would finish in sixth i'm just going to switch over to my screens here i'm going to take a look at uh because i i think the sector splits uh the ranking of the sector splits are better on on the fist website and the actual results so you can look at those details so ogden uh oh yeah it actually has all the intervals here so yep second fastest split there through the 2.1k now he did slow down a little bit. This this uh, third sector, he actually had the 40th fastest split. So a little bit of a, a slower move there. That third sector and the fourth sector, the 12th fastest split. And then in the fifth sector, he actually had the fastest. So going from 3.6K to 5.2K, no one raced that sec- sector faster than Ben Ogden. And he would do something kind of similar going from, it looks like, what is this, 8.0... Oh, Mm, okay, let me try and read this correctly. What am I looking at? So that's that. 0.5 to 2. So if I'm looking at this, okay, 6.9 to 8.3K. He had the second fastest sector time. Um, but <clears throat> it looks to me like he did, He just had a couple of weird spots in the uh, in the race where he had really slow sectors, but it wasn't like he was dying or anything. You know, this was a pretty consistently an even race throughout you know if you look at after 2.1k by 3.1k he slotted fifth by 3.6 he slotted sixth he would move up to fifth he would he would move down to seventh and then he would move back to sixth, and that's where he ended up finishing um so ogden 2208.5 was his final time that's just three seconds behind paul goldberg and the podium i mean he was really close to the podium 22 flat 0.9 by Diedrich Tonseth. That was your third place finisher today. Um, and, and, you know, speaking of Tonseth, by the way, just I was going to get to this a little bit later, but maybe since I'm mentioning him now, um, maybe he's a, he's the kind of guy that like you hope if you're if you are a Kruger and your Clabo, the two guys I think are the favorites right now to claim the overall. You don't really want Tonseth in striking distance on that last stage i mean i know kruger can go i think toe to toe with him for sure on a climb but that that's got to be tonsess bread and butter you know he's hoping somehow miraculously he can pull out a great day tomorrow survive the sprint rounds and then maybe be in contention i mean i, I know that's kind of a long shot right but uh you, you know he had a good good day today he did what he needed to do okay back to the americans though let's let's talk more pacing so because the other thing is so, so Ogden, he raced this, I think, the way I like it, right? He he was full bore all the way. He put himself in contention, and he didn't die. It, it, he he extrapolated his efforts across the course to the uh, in, in fine form, uh, evenly paced and all. Now, if we look at Hunter Wonders' 
I think his his performance today has to kind of go down as maybe one of the more bigger shocks. You know, you heard Ogden talk about a little bit, like, yeah, he's sort of breaking through. He's gaining confidence every single day, every single race. But Wonders, Wonders comes through 0.5K, just, you know, 38th place, 2.1K. He's in 25th at that first, or that that's the first uh, segment checkpoint. So 25th place. He really worked himself through the field throughout the entire race, ended up finishing in 11th. Um, a very strong second-to-last sector, the fifth-fastest. So gradual improvement all the way through. Hunter raced that really fine. Uh, let's click on let's click on his, his profile here and see. Can we find out what was Hunter Wonder's previous best? So he's 24, the 24-year-old, the 24-year-old from Alaska. Hunter, two World Championship starts. He's had 19 World Cup starts. Just going to kind of click through this. I mean, obviously today, 11th, he was 80th in the sprint, Davos, 33rd in that 20K freestyle, Bida Stolen, he was 16th, he's had a couple of good performances then, I suppose, Lillehammer, 31st, the 10K Classic and Bida Stolen, so the Classic looking to be Hunter Wonders, you know, coming about, but the 10K Classic in Ruka, he was 39th, and that's what I was thinking, okay, so earlier this year, um, and last year in Ruka, you know, 45th, 67th, I'm seeing here. So he has had, by my quick calculations, two top 20 finishes, non-relay events, a 16th in Bida Stolen in the Classic, and an 11th today. So 10K Classic, watch out. That might be Hunter Wonders, you know, event of choice. And we have a little clip from Hunter Wonders. Thank you so much for Tom Horrocks, uh, U.S. Ski and Snowboard, sending us these clips. Here's Hunter Wonders after his stage three tour to ski performance hunter wonders 11th uh tour to ski stage three dude you uncorked one today how'd it feel oh it felt great skis were awesome and in the game um i just went out really hard and tried to sustain that i'm not too worried about blowing up in a 10k um and so far that's worked out for me this season any challenge with the conditions out there um it was a little faster outside the tracks i'd say um not really anything too technical or too bad out there. It was you pretty gotta, awesome. You got to you got to be psyched. You yeah. got to be totally psyched. I'm very psyched. I wish I could have gotten another point four seconds out there and stayed in the top ten. Um, but for sure, it's uh, cool to see such progression within the season. Um, how, do you, how do you feel heading into stage four now? A lot more confident. A little more confident. A little more nervous. There's. Uh, more room to fall backwards in the pursuit, but uh, I also have a lot of confidence and think I can hang with those guys. It's it's cool to feel like I'm in the fight this season. Cool. Congrats, man. Way Thanks. to go. <laughs> Thank you. Great to hear from Hunter Wonders. Excellent performance from the 24-year-old Alaskan. Uh, it, it, and kind of surprising to hear, actually, that, you know, conditions-wise, I was expecting him to say, oh, yeah, gnarly conditions, uh, but the skis were great. Uh, because... You know, looking at the Norwegians, I know they, they swept the podium, I think, right? Did they have the top three? Uh, but the guy who really surprised me, who did not do well, was Martin Yenget. And 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 as he was do, and also uh, Shirota, you know, those two athletes really had such poor performances. My, my initial thought was like, well, maybe some of these guys must have really missed the wax, so to speak. You know, just scrolling down here, where it was, email... <laughs> Here's a guy, by the way, Emil Iverson, 13th place. Like, that dude is just so all over the place 
this year. It seems like just an emotional roller coaster for all of you Emil Everson fans. Uh, Nienget, 17th place. Now, he did move up. You know, he just started out really slow, I guess. A 5-10, 2.1K split in 35th place, moved up to 17th. But I think yesterday he had either the first or second fastest uh, 10K in the pursuit. And, I mean, he's a Holman Cole 50K Classic champ. You know, this is a guy who Classic is his wheelhouse. So, interval uh, interval start. I, I guess I just expected more. I don't know if he fell or something weird at the beginning. Um, but that was something that made me think... Well, maybe maybe these conditions really have thrown some teams for a loop. The Americans really nailed it. Maybe there was a it was a case of the earlier bib numbers actually did benefit. But then we 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 saw some high bib numbers sneak in the top ten. He's you know Everson, Porama, Holland, those guys. Um, Musgrave even fortieth. By the way, where's Musgrave been this entire tour? You know, finally gets getting up there. I I know. Um, you know, the, the fist fact sheets were saying Musgrave hoping to uh, hand Great Britain the first podium finish in a tour to ski stage. Uh, that that does, definitely has not happened lately, but seventh place for, for Muzzy. So so there you go. Um, yeah, outside the tracks, you saw that today. It, it, a lot of variation, some athletes staying in the tracks in some spots, hopping out in others. And then even like there was a clip or a scene where I think we saw Frida Carlson double pulling outside the tracks and Julia Kern on in the tracks, uh, you know, right next to each other. Um, so, so very interesting, right? You know, like some people had incredible dedication to the fast snow. If you saw Haverson coming into the finish line, he was like inches away from the V board. So the risk there, pretty incredible. Um, You know, if you did that on the mineral belt, you'd be your your outside pole would be punching through into the powder. Uh, Gaja, can you play the pet peeve sounder I told you to be working on so we can quick pet peeve? Yeah, grooming report too. We have not the mineral belt has not been groomed. Uh, it took about a twelve day span. We were out there yesterday. Great, great ski. I think today the the ski. that's going to happen is going to be an epic through town up Cal Gulch, like just taking some of the mining roads because they've been excellent car grooming, excellent, uh, whatever the snow cats that like tour, you know, people take the tours up around the mining districts. That's all like incredible grooming. You could have your own Alpe de Cermi climb just in Leadville. I I know there's a spot where we could do like literally a 90-minute climb, like 9 or 10 miles, just gradual 4 to 6% grade. So I might do that today, but, you know, that was all by inserting myself into the narrative story. Um, let's talk about the winner, shall we? Oh, wait, no, one more American. One more American I get to. Uh, how about Gus Gus Schumacher today? You know, he really went for it. You look at his race splits. Uh, Schumacher, I, I think I was happy with his performance. You know, he kind of went for it as well. Um, I think he, he was placed uh, somewhere midway through. I can't find my stupid... Where's the... Ugh, okay, there we go. Schumacher finished 15th today, and that's one place behind Borama. In fact, he was a tenth of a second out of 14th. That's a bit of a bummer. You know, as far as being out of the top 10 even... Uh, Gus Schumacher, just like seven seconds. So Schumacher, 502, seventh place at that first checkpoint. 
uh, a lot of athletes really kind of going for it. Again, Haverson claims the extra bonus points, but you know, then Schumacher sat around 10th or 11th for most of the race. He did end up falling just a little bit. Looks like his last segment, you know, from 6.9 K in, he wasn't incredibly strong. 33rd fastest segment at 6.9 K and then at 8.3, the 20th fastest sector and then his final sector the 37th fastest sector so he was not closing well but he didn't die enough to really lose incredible amounts of time so you know uh 50 uh sorry 15th place for gus schumacher and we have horax on the ground boots on the ground talking to gus after his race let's run that clip dude uncork one out there how'd it feel yeah good pretty good to go from 60 something to Top 20. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm psyched. The skis were killer. Uh, yeah, definitely owe some of that performance to these guys in the truck. Foul weather conditions kind of light you up and uh, give you a little extra energy out there? Uh, I mean, I don't mind it that much. Yeah, yeah it was kind of like, honestly, sort of a comfortable temperature for racing. And when the skis are good, kind of everything else feels secondary. Yeah. So you felt pretty good out there? Yeah, I think I would like sick over Christmas. It's nice to have some racing under my belt and uh, just like, kind of get reaccustomed to pacing and stuff. I think that was a big change. Congrats, man. Thank you. All right. Well, good to hear from Gus Schumacher. Good that he's uh, doing well. Um, So in that last sound audio clip from the time then until now, I know you think this is a live radio broadcast show, but actually I went for a two-hour ski, came home, answered some emails, took some phone calls, ate a meal, and uh, sent Novi off to a nap. And now it's a little bit later in the day, so just... Just if you're like, wow, you had such a good stream going so far on this show. Now, what's going on? Uh, a lot of things going on today, and there's a lot of topics I want to get to. And hopefully, you're coming into the Cedar Skier podcast. You know, you're like, oh, I want to hear the hot takes on what you thought on stage three. And I have to let you know that um, I've just found out that I'm going to be broadcasting here the final three stages of the tour. So instead of giving you the day to day recaps, we're going to be coming at you on the broadcast, ski and snowboard.live. So tune on in. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. I'm really excited for it. So uh, before we go to the girls' race, a couple more things on the guys' side. Um, first of all, Clabo King. King Clabo, by the way, I don't know if you saw this on the FIST website after yesterday. I think King Clabo was in the headlines. And uh, I don't know, maybe FIST has a representative that is checking out the Cedar Skier podcast, trying to steal those cool and creative nicknames uh we'll definitely be inserting king clabo into the intro i think on friday uh that you, uh, how about clabo okay first three stages of the tour he's won and he's the first person to do that since sergey ustiagov in 2016-2017 took the first five how crazy is that ustiagov man um he's also bettered uh nortug for the most tour to ski stage wins among men only tres yohag with 14 justina kowalchit kowal sitch so wait sick chick kowalchik is that how you say it someone help me out kowalchik uh they they have 14 tour to ski stage wins so that's the most um another interesting fact they put up here Clabo has won four individual world cup events in oberstorf that's more than any other cross-country skier. Includes winning each of the last three men's World Cup events at the ski resort. So, I mean, there's all sorts of streaks. Honestly, when you're winning like 93% of the time, you even get <laughs> step out on the... What's the actual stats, actually? Let's uh, <clears throat> pull up the fist page. 
Pull up the fist page. Clabo. Fist. Where is he at? Uh, can't believe it's not just saved in here. Career. 26 years old. Johannes Clabo. World Cup. 109 starts. 75 podiums. 55 victories. <clears throat> just over 50% win rate. Almost a 75% podium rate. It's just unbelievable. Some, I mean... You could almost write an entire feature story on the times Clabo hasn't been on the podium. It would actually be kind of an interesting read. So there you go, VG or Langren or wherever you want to go, uh, wherever you prefer for your um, Nordic, uh, you know, gossip. You can. You, that, that's a feature story idea right there. Speaking of Clabo, speaking of Kruger, I think that right now is where. That's at least where I want the battle to be. On the guy's side, when it comes to the Tour de Ski performances, if we look at the Tour de Ski men right now, Clavo has a 37-second advantage over Goldberg. Kruger's right there in 40, second, 40 seconds back. Tonseth, 57 seconds back. Halverson, the first non-Norwegian, sits in fifth, a minute and 11 back. Pellegrino, a minute 13 back in sixth. Holen, seventh, is a minute 17 back. Porama, minute 23. Nyanget, minute 31. Where's Ben Ogden at? He's, uh, don't worry, guys. 11th place, a minute 43 back. That's hot, right? Man, he, that's great. I was going to look up the top finishing um, American in tour de ski history. I got to try and do that. If someone knows that at the top of their uh, head, you know, let me know. I'm, I'm right now I'm on Wikipedia looking through. Um, <clears throat> what's wrong with the Cedars Gear mic right now? I feel like it's. Is that the wrong angle or something? Um. I'm looking at the past winners, and what I can tell you is in the Tour de Ski, the top-placing North American of all time, 2017, 2018, Alex Harvey placed third overall in the Tour de Ski. That's the best finish by a North American, and I think I, the only, I mean, I, I can tell that just by looking at that we haven't. That's the only podium placer we've ever had on the guys' side. On the women's side, Kowalczyk. Won it four years in a row from 09 to 14 or 13. Honestly, that's pretty amazing. Her World Cup career, 17 seasons, 50 individual wins. Um, why isn't does she did she actually not win an Olymp? No, she did. Okay, 10k individual gold, 30k master gold, 2010, 2014. So two gold medals, a couple of bronzes, a silver. <clears throat> All right, good enough. So. Well, the girls' side, though, Jess Diggins, obviously, she was third in 2017, 2018, and then she won it in 2021. Last year, Nepreva won. Heidi Vang was third. Eb Anderson, second. I mean, it's going to be a completely different podium this time around, obviously. Um, but only twice and only by one person, Jess Diggins, as a North American, landed on the podium for the women. So that's kind of crazy. I think uh, we'll go, well, looking at the guys' side again, we got. We have Ogden sitting at 11th, and and he's 143. So if if he can cut off 30 seconds, he's you know in sixth place. Um, looking at those final stages, I mean Pellegrino, if he can win one for the Gipper, win one for no, no not win one for the Gipper. If he can win one for the dads in the sprint, you know that'll add some excitement. That's Friday, Saturday we got Mass Start 15k. He could be in contention there, but I mean Ogden is. I think Ogden will be in the final on Friday, and if he's not, I'm going to just be sorely disappointed. Like, he he's ready to rip one now. You know, he's got the confidence, and he just, he's gotten so unlucky in the sprint. So, 
Ogden's going to be in the final. Pellegrino's going to be in the final. Klabo's obviously going to be in the final. I think Goldberg will be in the final there too because he's going to start to smell blood and be like, I got to, you know, it's the home stretch. So what's that, four? I think the other ones, it'll be probably um, probably Juven. Um, who's the other French guy? Who am I thinking of? <laughs> uh, 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 the really good, really, really, really good looking guy, uh, Shanova. Okay, so that's going to be your sprint final. Gus Schumacher sits in 35th right now in the Tour de Ski, placing 43rd is Scott Patterson. Any other guys' notes I want to touch on here? Let me see. Kruger. I do think he's the story. If he can, you know, today's race really sets it up to be intriguing. Tomorrow, or that 20K, I mean, it's going to be Klabo and Kruger. Klabo uh, is going to be, it's a mass start, right? So they're going to go out together. Um should be interesting kind of dynamics. You know, will Mulk from Germany try to push the pace? Um, and, and he did that a couple of weeks ago in Davos. Will he be out there trying to kind of, will he kind of mess things up even by doing that? You know, um, I, I think that could play into it. Porma and Haverson, at least Porma. I think Porma will contend there in the top five, top 10. Ogden maybe even just being so re- in the relevancy of this is, you know, at least a reasonably paced race. Um, that could change it, but man, it's going to be exciting. I, I like the guys, the guys race for this because Holland and Kruger are sort of the top dogs, I think, when it comes to these types of distance events, but Klabo's skiing so well, he's shown that he can do anything he wants. So, I mean, is it, it is sort of up to Kruger, I think, to go, well, this is my one chance to put a huge gap into Klabo, so I need to take advantage of it. He's basically got two races left where you'd call him the favorite, this one and the last event of the of the tour. So, uh, you know, I guess I kind of expect Kruger to maybe go out hot and see if he can break away early or, you know, after 10K, maybe him and Holland will work together. Um, but who knows, you know, that they're all national team dynamics. You know, are they angry at Clavo for any reason that, <laughs> that they would want to do that? I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, I think that pretty much covers the guy's side, you know, if you have any other thoughts, you have to shoot me an email and see, see what I missed there. I'm, I'm sure I missed a lot, but again, it's all about being first, not necessarily about being comprehensive or even accurate. You don't even have to be accurate anymore. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta be first. Out on the girls' side, so girls' race went down. We saw Frida Carlson grab her first tour to ski victory ever. Parmakoski with a great race. Man, she looked great all over the course. You know, all aspects of technique. 16.6 seconds back. And then in third, finally claiming a podium this time. And Shirsi Galva, what is that, her second or third podium career-wise? She's been fourth just a handful of times. Um, Kertu Niskanen in fifth. Tiro Unisvang fourth. A little bit of a surprise, couldn't you say, that having Niskanen be in fifth, um, just given the fact that, you know, the classic, the 10K classic, that is just kind of her wheelhouse and everything. Um, Katrina Henning, but but I mean, generally, these are the names you'd expect. Henning, Niskanen, right? Kava, Carlson, they're, lead, they're winning the day. And basically, Carlson, she also picked up some bonus points there by having the hottest time through 2.1K. Rosie Brennan had a good day, 5.43. She was just five seconds back at 2.1K. Slipped a little bit. Even by 3K, she had lost seven more seconds to Frida Carlson. Or actually, nine seconds to Frida Carlson. Uh, halfway through, 25 seconds off the lead, sitting in sixth. Brennan moved down to ninth at 6.9K, 43 seconds back. Um, and then... 
uh, let's see, where did she end up finishing? Moved down a little bit to 11th. She finished 11th overall, about a minute back. So not a bad performance by Rosie Brennan. And she did speak to the media as she does via email. And I'll read that to you right now. Rosie Brennan said, today was a wet and wild day. It was a classic Oberstdorf day with rain throughout and very much above freezing temperatures. They salted the course, so it actually held up quite well. It was very fast, albeit wet skiing. I started strong and was in the game for the first lap, but really struggled with my skis the second and third lap, which led me to fade quite a bit. This is never what you want, but it's part of ski racing, so hopefully we can all learn and move forward. I'm still in the game, and we'll have some good people to ski with tomorrow, so I'm really looking forward to that. And if you look at the women's tour to ski standings, right now, where are we at? Well, Free Carlson leads. By 20 seconds over Tyrrell Udnes Vang and Shusikalva, 20 seconds back. So there's your top three. I guess, well, I guess top two, right? Vang and Kalva are tied 20 seconds back. Kertu Niskanen lurks 41 seconds back. Henning in fifth, 123. A little bit of a gap there. <clears throat> and then as far as the Americans go, Rosie Brennan sitting in eighth, 145 back. She's right in front of Heidi Vang. So, I mean... Do, Oh, oh, we have to mention <laughs> Astrid Slind of Norway sits in 10th, 204 back. Just was reading on the Norwegian websites that Slind, who also competes in the ski classics, is planning on racing in the world championships and then the next day going over and doing the Mora Vaslopa. She has aspirations to win the Vaslopa. She has aspirations to race the previous day in the world championships. I haven't looked at the schedule. I'm guessing that's the 30K for women. It says three miles in translation for, for on the Norwegian website, which often means 30K. So you could be totally wrong on that. But it's whatever race is the day before the Vasilopit she plans on racing or wants to race. But she's in 10th right now. Give it up for the ski classics people. people. Um, <clears throat> where is uh, our other ski classics athlete? She's from Sweden, Ida Dahl. She's actually in 26th. Right now, the overall standing is 349 back, so not doing quite as well. Uh, as far as the Americans go, again, Brennan in 8th. You've got Julia Kern in 17th. And then sitting back in 35th right now is Jesse Diggins. She did not have the greatest day today, you know? Um, I think as far as overall placing goes, she was 40th. Um, 40th place, 210 off the lead. Behind Julia Kern in 38th place, about three seconds. So not not a great day for Julia. Sophia Laukley finished 44th for the Americans. Uh, Elena Sonneson was 54, 302 back. And that, that wraps up the, the U.S. team. So yeah, Diggins, I mean, she posted on Instagram here about a half an hour ago with some pictures. And I'll, I'll just read her Instagram post. It says, if the seas were always calm, we would never build a boat. And then uh, that's, so that's quoted. <clears throat> and it says, all of these photos show what it looks like to be building a better boat, sometimes mentally and sometimes physically, sometimes with good results and sometimes not, sometimes enduring public speculation and learning how to listen only to the people who truly care about me. It's no secret that this tour has been tough, and I've learned that it takes so much more courage to fail very publicly and keep going. To me, 
building up is trusting the process and the plan, focusing on the amazing people I'm lucky to have around me, and remembering to feel gratitude for all the things that are going well. Lucky to feel that my body is still in a good place, so I'm hoping to have a good race tomorrow where all the elements, both in my control and outside it, line up. And then this is pretty cool. Right after the post was made, five minutes later, Michaela Schifrin gives a little heart with the uh, hands emoji where, like, the two hands are saying uh, this or, you know, like, this is perfect kind of a thing. Um, cool to see Michaela Schifrin, greatest gear of all time, probably, um, obviously Alpine, but giving Jesse Diggins some support there. Unlike the those in the Norwegian media, including, I found this story um on what's our website here natavisen guys don't make fun of me okay this is uh the headline digging situation has become a mystery it is shocking there were some um not so kind of quotes here the via play expert nicholas deerhog who is a former world cup skier for norway has been surprised by diggins And it was especially after what happened in Davos, where she finished first and second. He's been shocked um, at, quote, how bad shape she is in now. And obviously, these are all translations. So I'm just reading what the English translation is. Uh, It it seems to me in reading through the story that he can't see any other reason other than either she's sick or has trained too much over Christmas. It must be one of the two, he said. Um, And then Diggins gave kind of a reply to this, I guess. Um, it's a, my body feels, this is Diggins. My body feels good. I worked as hard as I could. That's all you can do. Now, where is, let's see. Mm. Carlson, the translation quote from Frida Carlson seems to kind of suggest, and it's hard with the translation, but I know that she's been at the height for a long time. It could be that she needs a few competitions to get her body going. You tend to get a a little tough from that. I'm not sure if what that that translation is that she's saying Diggins has been actually sharp for a little while, like going back to Davos, and it's hard to stay at that height or that peak for a while. And when you are, you kind of need a couple of competitions to get going, uh, sort of in like an almost overtrained state. You know, Frida Carlson, that was sort of how her body was. So I don't know if that's that. Nor- Norway's cross-country manager, Espen Bierweg, also been surprised. And he basically, he referred to it as a crisis. And he said that if he would have been, if, if Diggins was a Norwegian athlete, he would have contacted the health team and checked in. Okay, so this isn't the story, though, that had the quotes. Um, uh, Longren Diggins... She's not planning on giving up. That's good. She's She thinks it's important to set a good standard for the young athletes. She doesn't want to break. Uh, it's important to send that good signal. Where was it? Oh, here's a weird quote. <clears throat> she believes, Diggins, she believes there are other reasons why she did not perform. And then this, this I don't know what this means. I made a mistake today by not asking for enough party. So then I got the chance to train in the toughest conditions, and I'm proud that I can do it, said Jesse Diggins. Is that asking for, I feel like that's got to be asking for enough grip wax, right? Like she didn't ask for enough, so she started to slip, and she got some experience in the toughest conditions. I'm not sure if that's like if that's lost in translation. Maybe maybe if I translate translate it back to Norway. Okay, if it's no no, that's not helping. Okay. Well, anyway, why can't I find? Hmm. There was kind of a spicy response to what the. <clears throat> um, to what this guy said, the deer deer hog 
Oh, it's on VG, maybe. Yeah, okay. So, when VG, that's uh, the Norwegian, VG, Norwegian sport, um, confronted confronted Diggins about Deerhog's quotes, basically, she said, so sweet that they care about my best interest. That is very kind of them. I'm fine, says Diggins, adding um, that she hasn't felt bad during the tour physically and that she's going to complete it. Um... What is VG? Is VG just like trying to like get under our skin? Maybe they are. Crazy. Um, Heidi Vang said, it's obvious Diggins is not at her best. Maybe she should think about it a bit. Um, she has to decide for herself, but you shouldn't go all the way to the basement, I think. That's my thinking. By all means, you get good training. There are pluses and minuses to walking away, I think. Tiro Vang would also skip the tour if she was in Diggins' situation. Interesting. That's kind of a Norwegian take, right? Like, I'm not going to win, so I guess I'll just walk away. But, I mean, here's my thought, too. Like, I, I'm i totally standing behind Dickens on this one. First of all, you, you actually never know what what can happen. I know four minutes is a lot, but, like, <clears throat> you win a couple of bonus points. Like, like if she could legitimately win the 20K tomorrow, if, it, if this is all something where she's feeling great and, she, and there's just been some technical issues, like with skis and stuff, Let's say she wins and nabs a couple of bonuses. All of a sudden, she gains 45 seconds there. Um, she's probably not going to win the classic sprint, but, uh, well, actually, you know, like, you, you don't, never know. She could podium in the classic sprint, you know, finish top 10 in the um, in, the, in the next event, the 15K, and then the climb. I mean, she could do, she could be one of the best if she really wanted to. I mean, I, I guess, I guess the realistic possibility of her contending for a podium here on this tour to ski is low. Uh, but it's it still, it fits into that overall plan. I'm guessing too, of like, she, she's planned out her whole year thinking you are going to, you are going to be hurting. You're going to pour forth a ton of physical effort, effort, emotional effort in this tour to ski. So you might as well go through with it. Like if she walks away, she's going to have to go do some random intervals here to kind of fit in that plan too. Right. The, these skiers are going to walk away and have a, a week off or whatever, a couple weeks until the next world cup. Uh, I think it's two or two weeks. So they already have some of that built in. Uh, and, and obviously what's most important for her is the world championships. And the tour de ski ends a long time before worlds. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of time in there to gather yourself again. And almost, you know, like Heidi Vang says, hey, there's, there's or, or Tiro Vang said, there's an advantage here. Like you are actually skiing yourself into shape to some degree as well on the tour to ski. Like you're, you're getting tougher. So I think Diggins wins a battle there of like, this is actually good for her physiological um, plan. It's part of the plan. It's part of the training plan. Uh, and she's absolutely right. You're setting a tone for the younger athletes. Like, look, you don't just walk away from a competition. Competitions matter a lot. So much so that you, when you when you sign up, it means something. When your name's there, it means something. Um, you don't just withdraw. And I think some people have different philosophies on that where it's like, you know, it kind of comes back to the whole, do you ever drop out of a race in track or in cross country? And and I, I think the gain that you might get, you know, from like a, if you're someone who thinks that the reason you could you should maybe do something like that is like a physical health reason, the gain that you might get from that I think is outpaced by the mental loss you receive I mean I, I myself did drop out of a track race once and I think it was like one of, my, my brother has told me before too is like 
that that's kind of the worst thing you can do mentally like it's even better to slow down no matter how much you have to slow down to slow down and finish the race and and i tend to agree you know um i mean there might be a situation where like you're so physically ill that that you're really hurting your body more and more by continuing but in that case like I'm kind of shocked you ever you even put yourself on the starting line and and i think like the only situation i can th- see as being the reality there would be like um a race that's over 50 to 100 miles like like if you're talking like a 10 to 30 hour race um and you are 60 percent of the way through you're vomiting you're you've you've actually you have a stress fracture that's developed you tore a muscle something like that well yeah like now i think the physical gains out do outweigh the mental gains yeah you're gonna quit and that kind of stinks that might set you back mentally but like physically you would you maybe ruin your body for a lifetime there's nothing like that here going on so i'm totally behind jesse i think she she powers through do the best that you can um race smart you know, maybe you're out of it for the win, but that doesn't mean there's not something to be gained competitively here for her. Um, and so I'm right with that. I don't, I don't think you, you shouldn't be developing this mentality of like, I mean, think about Clavo. Every single race that he enters, he could and almost should win. So if he has disasters going on where all of a sudden, you know, he breaks a pole and he's in 30th in a 50k, like you could almost feel like, oh man, he should just drop out. Like, what's the point? He, he's not going to win. Like, you know, he's just kind of, everyone knows he's sort of the best and he just didn't have his day. But I mean, I think there's something to be said about principle, even at that point, like, you know, um, so what you just, you just finish because it's the right thing to do. Maybe that's thinking too altruistic. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I know we don't have a lot of discussion here on the girl's side. It's, it came to me late, uh, you know, I, I viewed it and did not have as much time to pour over it. I think the, the storylines moving forward though, both of these tour de skis are very, um, exciting up for grabs, especially at the top. And I think, you know, Rosie Brennan is positioned to be, I don't know, a reasonable sleeper. She's only a minute back and she can contend in like every single event still to go. I think if, if we see Frida Carlson with a lead, going into that final stage though and and i i do suspect that will happen i mean i i kind of think carlson's gonna be in the final of the sprint she could definitely win the 15k classic um she could win the final as well the final event but but you know she's gonna be just doing whatever it takes to win the overall at that point i mean it's gonna be tough for rosie rosie's gonna have to have a killer race tomorrow. She's going to have to hope in that 15K classic that she's really feeling great and maybe Frida has something kind of freak, freakishly happen, you know, poorly to her. And and I haven't looked at the courses ahead for the for the uh, sprint, you know, whether or not that could favor someone like Rosie. I, I know she, it's kind of amazing, Rosie Brennan. I think of her as sort of a, a grinder type skier who can, who likes it when the, when the course is challenging, you know, tough conditions, generally a longer race but then you know she gets in there in those sprint races too and i think she's sort of primed to have kind of a good sprint showing she's she's been you know in the qualification in the heats and then you know the 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 heat i think in davos it was perhaps one of them was sort of stacked you know it was like oh shoot you know like there's three or four people from that heat that maybe ended up in the finals even and and you know rosie didn't have the greatest heat but it was just it, it was an unfortunate draw there uh, so she might be she might be positioned really well to to um to move up in that sprint event uh, too. But anyway, well we will uh, perhaps perhaps we can do a show after tomorrow's 
races. And then we're going to have to go all in on prep mode to get ready for Ski and Snowboard Live. But hopefully we uh, satisfied a little bit of your craving for some cross-country ski talk after Tour to Ski Stage 3. We're glad you could join us. Get out there and ski. It's still a pretty good day out there. Uh, if you're in the Leadville area, all of our Leadville listeners, uh, Midwest listeners, I you're getting a ton of snow. So definitely, you know, uh, get ready for the Berkey or whatever you've got kind of plan uh, in your plans. Uh, it should be a good, good time for that. Uh, whatever you're doing though, keep on striving and eventually keep on skiing. 